look at me. I, you know, I sent my resumes out. I got rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter. And I was like, God, how could you do that? You know, you, here you are. You, you provide all this stuff for me going to Texas. And I know that you told me to come back to Michigan. But yet you're not providing for me. And you're not listening to me. And you're not hearing my cry. I've got so many people that are praying. What am I doing wrong? Sure. What in my life? Am I doing wrong? Am I not tithing enough? Am I, am I not praying enough? Am I not reading my Bible enough? What am I doing that's holding me back from getting a job? And I just got frustrated. I got so frustrated. I didn't know. It was six months before anything came along. And I just was like, God, what am I going to do? Bills are facing me. Overdue, you know? And I'm like, they're knocking at my door. They're calling my cell phone. I kept turning my cell phone off because I was so sick of hearing from them. Mm. And I just didn't know where else to go and what else to do. A real wall, a vocational wall that you were up against. Wow. Thanks for sharing. The second wall that we want to talk about today is a wall of relationships. Maybe you've hit the wall of employment and you're just stuck or you're out of work. And you're, but there's another wall. And where it hits most, where it hits closest is with marriage and in families. Maybe a father relating to a son, a mother relating to a daughter. How many know when you raise teenagers that sometimes the teenagers just don't understand mom and dad? It's a relational wall that may be built up. Or maybe the parents don't understand the kids, uh, the teenagers. And man, in life, husbands and wives oftentimes will hit a wall. Divorce is up and it's the same as it is in the church, as it is in the secular world. Devastation. This wall is very real. And what happens is that we get stuck at a relational wall at times. And it can be very painful, very deep cutting. And Matt, I know that you deal with this all the time in your business. He's a family therapist. But talk about that, but then also how this wall, how you've hit this wall personally in your, in your life. Well, I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I work with people every day. Sometimes I see um, during a week up to 80 or 100 people, I should say in a month, 80 to 100 people. And most of the people that are coming in, it's because of brokenness in a relationship. Sometimes it's within themselves and between them and God, uh, but most of the time it's between themselves and a family member whether it's something that happened in their past with a parent, whether it's something in their current relationship with their children or in a marriage situation. And just because I'm a counselor doesn't mean I'm immune to that. There's things in my life that have happened in the past and even uh, recently that I have come up against from time to time. And most of you know Cindy, my wife. Um, she's in the nursery, and I'm going to be heading there in a minute to help out. But um, her family, my family, we grew up in very different families. Her family was very open and comfortable talking about conflict, uh, dealing with their feelings, being open. And my family, I love them to death. Sometimes we tended to avoid conflict and be a little bit more introspective and hold things in. And when we were first married together, things were going really well. Um, it was easy to be open. It was easy to connect and to go deep with each other. And then slowly, I started to kind of revert back to what felt normal to me. Holding on to things, being a man, I have to be strong. I can't really share what I'm struggling with, what I'm worried about, the things in my life that were embarrassing or shameful. 
And what I struggled with from time to time was, can I share this? Can I be open? There was a wall that I let mm -hmm. get between my wife and I. And that's very painful. It, it's hard, especially for Cindy, to think, how could you not share with me? I'm your wife. And a lot of the things that I was dealing with internally, I needed to go in to talk with someone about and learn how to let go of some of the things that I struggled with. And it's, it's very difficult to do. Um, but transparency and openness and honesty is really where it's at. Very good. Thanks for sharing. And you know, Matt, we have a similar story in the, in the sense that we come from similar backgrounds. And uh, some of the things he shared, <laughs> I have struggled with as well. In those first couple years, it was like fireworks, wasn't it, Jess? It was like, what in the world have we done? But you know, this relational wall is not just for those that have a family, raising kids, parents, or it's also, this can happen in the life of a single individual. And I know there's many people here that are in that state. And what happens at a relational wall when you're single, you, the expectation is, is high that, well, you're going to get married or you're going to you know, be in a relationship and the expectations are high and then, boom, the carpet is pulled out from underneath you for one reason or the next. This relational wall is, is serious. It's, it's difficult there was one lady I read about just earlier um, this week. She'd been spending about a third of her income, a third of her income on eHarmony. You familiar with that, heard of that before? And you say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, it's not ridiculous because she wanted to find a mate. And she was surprised to find out the, that statistics came out that half of the individuals, uh, half of the men on eHarmony were actually married looking out, putting out feelers for if they could get something better. Isn't that ridiculous? And then of the half that were single, 70%, the statistics came out, that they were lying about their age, about their weight, their, their looks, about their income level. And talk about hitting a wall as a single Christian and as a single individual. This wall is serious. It can be tough. This is a tough wall to break through. There's another wall that many people on this side of eternity will hit. What I'd like to call this wall is kind of a physical wall, a calamity wall. Maybe you're going through life, busting through life, and you go for a routine office visit, and all of a sudden, diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer, melanoma, whatever the case might be, and all of a sudden, you're, at, you're facing a wall that you didn't expect in your life. This wall could be a wall of grief. It could be a wall of, of loss. And we've experienced that in our church body over the last couple years, individuals that have passed. And I'll tell you, that is a tough wall. This wall is most of the time hits, and it's totally unexpected. And we we're faced with this wall in our lives at different times. You may be, it might be a chronic pain issue. You're saying, man, is life ever going to be normal? I know my wife, she struggles with, with her sleep, and it's like, will we ever get a full night of sleep again? This wall can hurt, and it's very real. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, Mike Panyard. He's been with us since the turn of the year. And uh, right. started, I think, the last Sunday of December, 
uh, or early in January. And Mike, 23 years ago, was on the top of the world. He was living the American dream. Mike had a wife and two kids. He worked in a button factory. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what he did, he was a real estate developer and an acquisition specialist. He worked for the Snyder Group out of Ann Arbor, right? And uh, he worked in their historic district uh, dealing with properties. Similar, if you're familiar with Grand Haven, the Story and Clark Piano Factory, how they completely re re uh, renovated that. That was the type of work that Mike was doing. In a three-year term leading up to 1987, he was managing and facilitating $150 million in renovation. He was well-respected in the community. He was flying all over the United States. He was here and there from Florida to California to Baltimore, uh, Michigan, of course. And he was on the top of his game. And on Easter Sunday, this is no lie, on Easter Sunday, 1987, at 105 in the afternoon, Mike Panyard hit a physical wall. Why don't you share what happened? Well, um, I was uh, working the yard, and um, we had a house in White Lake, um, and um, um, uh, Stacy, my ex-wife, and uh, Carly, my daughter, and Nick, my son, and my father-in-law, uh, Ike, were raking the yard. And um, I had a good opportunity. Um, um, Monday morning, I was going to be um, in charge of the Acquisition for um, Horizon Group, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, I uh, thought, okay, great. Uh, and um, I just uh, was uh, raking, and um, I said, holy smokes, I am having a stroke. didn't hit me, uh, I think I am uh, wheezy and going to sit down, but I fell down um, big time, and I didn't get up. And um, um, I uh, didn't know um, I was brought to Hackley Hospital. Gary Gurdon, who uh, I know very well, uh, he is a neurologist, and he was operating on me, um, and um, I said yes to all kinds of things, and I didn't know why I was saying yes, but... Um, um, who knows, but uh, um, 
anyways, uh, God was speaking to me. I was speaking to Jesus Christ um, after I got out of uh, surgery. Um, and um, about seven hours, six hours, I don't know what, uh, but I said, okay, uh, Jesus Christ, take it over for me. Mm -hmm. I can't deal with it anymore. Um, I was not, um, I was, uh, I didn't want to go to sleep because I didn't know if I would wake up. Mm. So I was uh, awake for 52, 53 hours. Um, um, and um, um, I let Jesus Christ come into my life about six hours, seven hours after, and I said, um, just take it from me, and I felt relief, I felt calm, I don't know what, uh, but it was um, just a relief and Something had been, uh, uh, I don't know how you say it, but. Um, um, There's a peace inside. Correct. Sure. Correct. And uh, then um, I was up in the hospital, um, um, Kathy. come for the first three days that I was in the hospital. Um, and I had a magazine given to me um, about two days, two and a half days after I had my stroke. And I said, okay, this is a magazine. Okay. 
concerned. Um, and um, I uh, said right then and there, I will uh, get a smile on my face. I will not complain. I will uh, smile to everyone <laughs> that comes to meet me, and I will be of a cheerful nature. That's great. And um, um, <clears throat> I was um, maybe in uh, the hospital for about 10 weeks, mm. um, and um, I had speech therapy, physical therapy, mm -hmm. and occupational therapy uh, all of that time, and um, I still um, reaching out to help me uh, speak better. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tina Hodges, um, who I think highly of, she was my speech therapist. Good. And um, it was uh, unbelievable how me and her and, um, um, well, anyways, <laughs> um, and uh, I had uh, the speech therapist was able to help me out for a year, okay. uh, but I couldn't, um, I had, really trouble uh, reading and uh, speaking uh, after that. So I went to the uh, Muskegon uh, Public School and I asked the counselor for some got three more years of reading and speaking and um, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So Love it. It's, um, <coughs> it's uh, not, uh, you know, anyways, the whole story is that um, I have been dealt severe blow, but I was uh, able to um, take from it and deal with it and um, uh, stuff like that. And Jesus Christ, with the hour of need, helped me in the six hours that I was needing him the most. Amen. 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 Okay. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat>
That is an incredible wall that Mike hit. And what's interesting is we talked is that it wasn't just a physical wall that you hit. It affected your relationships. It affected your work. And God is still doing a work in you. And he said earlier, he said, well, I was out three things. I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk, and couldn't read. <laughs> and he said, I got two of the three back. Uh, and uh, that's pretty good, he said. And I appreciate that about you, that your heart is, um, is, is open and uh, that you have a good attitude. And I'll tell you, God is using you, and, uh, and I'm excited for your future and uh, how God is going to continue to do wonderful things in your life. What's interesting about each of these three walls is that I believe that the story of Easter can help us get over the walls uh, they come up in our lives. You say, well, what in the world is this last wall? <laughs> I asked uh, the guys that were out, I said, make it as tall as you possibly can. And Chris Fist said, well, we can take out the ceiling tiles and keep going, Pastor. I said, well, we better not do that. But uh, this wall is a wall that we're going to hit. You say, well, I might sneak by the occupational wall, the, uh, the work wall, I could even get by the relationship and you know, go through life pretty smooth, and maybe there's no significant walls there. I could sneak by, you know, be, live a healthy life and, and all of this, but we are all, 100% of us, going to hit this wall. This wall is a wall that you can't get over by yourself. It's a wall of mortality. I don't know how about you, but when I go to a funeral or you know go in for a viewing, uh, it seems like the uh, the the funeral people they're always happy, and I know they're paid to have a smile and to greet you well. But what's interesting is that uh, there's no recession in the funeral business. People are still dying, and we're all going to hit this wall of mortality. In fact, I sometimes I think they kind of look at you like they kind of check you out and. 6'4", 210 pounds. We got a box for you down in the basement. <laughs> We've got hundreds of them, and we're ready for you. And, uh, and I know that's their job, and uh, we can't knock them for that. But this wall of mortality faces each and every one of us. No matter where we are in life, 100% of us will hit this wall. You can't make it out of it. In fact, Hebrews 9, 27 says that we were appointed once to die. We were appointed once to die. Now, if you had some kind of hope in reincarnation, according to Scripture, that is not going to happen. We are not going to be reincarnated as a new individual, as a new life. We live once, and then we enter into eternity. Our soul carries on. There's no reincarnation. But the interesting thing about this wall is this is not a wall that we have to be afraid of. This is a wall that we can be prepared for. We can prepare for the day when we will meet this wall. And the best way to do that is to get to know Jesus because he blew through this wall. And that's the story of Easter. The grave of Jesus is empty. He has conquered the grave. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me will live. 
So when we hit this wall of mortality, on the other side of eternity, there is great hope for those that have turned our hearts to him. Jesus is the only religious leader in history who has gone through this wall and has survived, proving his messiahship. Now, my parents have been to Jerusalem, and maybe there's some of you that have traveled there. And there is, in Jerusalem, a grave that is empty. There is no other religious leader that has that claim. And I'll tell you, that gives me great comfort. It's the story of Easter, how Jesus came down into earth. He lived a perfect life. He died for all mankind, but he didn't stay in the grave. And some of you may be struggling with the, the reality of that story, or is that a factual story, or is that truth? Well, we've got a tool. We call it, it's the case for Easter. This guy named Lee Strobel, he was an investigative and journalist, and he went out to disprove the resurrection. And if you're familiar with the book, he, over a period of time, he realized that the resurrection was absolutely factual. And we've got a copy, if you're interested, on the outside. If you're a guest with us, we want to encourage you to take one of these with you. Or take one for a friend. Take one uh, that's with, for someone that is in your life that may be asking the question, was the resurrection real? We have this great hope as believers. And there's this term that we use in the Christian faith called substitutionary atonement. Are you familiar with that? If you break it down, substitutionary, I can, I can relate to that. I played sports. And in basketball, when I played basketball, sometimes I was the substitute. Other times, I would be taken out of the game and a substitute would come in and play in my spot. There was a substitute. And Jesus was our substitute. Atonement talks about a payment that is due. And we all have this huge payment of sin. And the fact is, is we can't pay for it ourselves. But Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, came to earth. He made it personal, and he paid the price for my sin and for your sin. Now, what's interesting about this is that we can accept this as a perfect gift. It's a story of Easter that Jesus broke through, and the grave is empty. Titus 3.5 says that it's not by works that we are saved. It's by grace. It's a gift of God. And the result of Easter is that on the other side of this wall is not a mystery. We know that on the other side of this wall, there is an eternity waiting for us. And because of Easter, we can get through this wall or over the wall or under, however you would say it. And on the other side is heaven, a place waiting for us. And Jesus is there sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, interceding for you. And Jesus wants us to make it through. Heaven is eternal life, and it starts not when we pass. I believe heaven can start right here, right now. You know the verse that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done.